0: Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we discuss big wins for Cantlay and McGowan and ask whether golf should be exempt from COVID lockdown restrictions. Hi, I'm Paul McGinley and you're listening to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, brought to you in association with Titleist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit titless.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark, and this week I'm joined by two people. Uh, the first is Elliot Heath. Hi, Elliot. Hello, Tom. And second is Nick Bonfield, who returns after a month doing something or other. How are
1: you doing, Nick? I'm well, thank you. I uh, can't hide from you two anymore, unfortunately. So so back I am.
0: No, no. Are you all right. Yeah, yeah, all good, all, all all fun and games. I'm sitting in my kitchen, which is um, currently a bit of a building site because I'm having a uh, loft extension put in, but uh, yeah, no, all, all fun and games, uh, listening to the rainfall uh, on the uh, skylights in my kitchen at the moment, so uh, not great weather for golf. Uh, Elliot, did you play any golf at the weekend? I think you did, didn't you? Yeah, I played on Saturday, uh,
2: played a new golf course called Mill Ride in um, Ascot Way, so that was actually really nice. Played basically uh fourteen holes in rain, so that wasn't too good. And then Sunday at my home club, which was lovely, yeah, in a in a T shirt again. So um, how did you play? lots of golf. Pretty bad, but yeah, my dad basically won the match for us. We won three and two in our usual four ball. So um
0: yeah, three beers again fun and games fun and games Nick have you been playing any golf recently we haven't heard you from you Um, for a while
1: I haven't played golf for probably two months now I've been trying to organise a golf weekend for next weekend but it's quite obviously quite tricky with everything that's going on and so we need to I think we're going to wait until two days beforehand and just see where it's viable to go to and then go down in separate cars Um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing a bit of golf it's been a little while I went on a walking trip to the Lake District a couple of weekends ago that was fun until I slipped down the grass verge and got mud all over my jeans. Which really uh, was No one has ever walked slower down a hillside before than me on that occasion. And I <laughs> managed to fall over about four times. So, yeah, that was quite entertaining. But beyond that, I haven't really been doing anything too exciting. Just watching my Aston
0: Villa team rise to the summit of the Premier League. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, that does make me, make me uh, giggle that uh, thinking about you walking and falling it down a hill, Nick, because uh, having... Spent quite a lot of time with you. You're not the quickest walk as it is, so um, I think going on a walking holiday with you would be like pulling teeth, to be honest with you. But didn't you also have a um, a, a golf trip away to Portugal reasonably recently, where you actually had to quarantine, didn't you? Yeah, no, so it's like quarantine for fourteen
1: days on my return, but it was it was definitely worth it. So me and a couple of friends had booked this ages ago, probably in about February time before it all kicked off, and booked this villa in the outskirts of Lisbon and me and my flatmate decided to go a few days beforehand. So stayed at the lovely da Marina, which is just a gorgeous hotel and played around the golf there. I was also fortunate enough to play at Taibos Junes, which is um, just an absolutely beautiful golf course too. I mean, one of the one of the best golf courses in the world as per some rankings and you can certainly see why it's ranked so highly. And then me and my a few of my friends had a, a, another round. This would be on the Friday morning and we'd all got there on the Thursday. So as you might imagine, there were a few, few, alcoholic beverages consumed on the Thursday evening but nonetheless we played Aroira I can never say it properly which has a couple of golf courses but we played Aroira one and it's this is beautiful sort of tree-lined golf course I think it's referred to as the Wentworth of, of Portugal or some people have given it that moniker and you can certainly see why yeah there's lakes there's this tree line it's rolling rumpled fairways it's really beautiful serene golf course so did very well to play three gorgeous golf courses out there, and it was definitely worth the quarantining on my return. I mean, that, that, that golf course sounds far too good for you, Nick. Did you actually play any? Any they good... were, To be honest, that was absolutely dreadful. I mean, I played pretty well for one six-hole stretch on the third day, but beyond that, I was fairly
0: dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds like fun! Sounds excellent. No, it was
1: excellent. It was so good to get away and have some sunshine and just be with my friends in a villa and just being in their presence and hanging out and having some fun, going to the beach, playing some golf, that sort of thing. And I'd definitely do it again if I had the opportunity. In fact, I'm trying to go away in late November somewhere that will have us where we don't have to quarantine on on entry and don't have to quarantine on return. So I think at the moment that list looks like either Madeira or Cyprus.
0: Yeah, uh, Cyprus, which is a, that's a very good segue. I'm going to use that right now because uh, there was a European tour event at Cyprus, um this week um being played at Aphrodite Hills which is a fantastic golf course I actually went to Cyprus last year on holiday but I didn't actually play any golf but Cyprus is a really really nice place to go away to I've had loads of friends who have gone away recently to Cyprus because mainly it must be on the uh um the safe travel list I think isn't it so um really the only place in Europe where you
1: can get reliable sunshine in November as well
0: yeah, I think that, or where else could you go to the? Uh,
1: the weather in Greece isn't particularly, The Greek islands is
0: not particularly good either. Um, no, that's true. That's true. But there's like places like uh, Lanzarote you could go to, stuff like that, around there. Oh, Canary Islands. Do you not have to quarantine? That's no, I think cool. they've just. I think they've just come off the list, haven't they? So that they, you can actually, you don't have to quarantine anymore. So, yeah, yeah. I
1: I shall do some research into that when
0: we're not on the golf podcast. <laughs> well indeed, indeed. But yeah, it's quite nice about that. Because I th- well, the thing is there's lots of people who are who are now thinking exactly how you're thinking, Nick, I think, because the weather has definitely turned. Um it's been an odd odd year for weather anyway, when we when we first went on to lockdown and it was about forty degrees or whatever it was, when you had yeah. glorious sunshine. But now that the weather has turned and it's all a bit dark and grey and miserable, um, I mean, this week, a lot of people would have got usually gone away on holiday because it's half term for most people as well. So I think there's probably quite a lot of people looking around, seeing if they can escape, when they can escape, and um, when they can do it safely as well. So um, I think it's probably, um, yeah, you're not the only person looking for a sunny getaway. Well, and you can play golf in a
1: lot of these locations that aren't on the list. Madeira's got some nice golf courses, you know, the, the Canary Islands also. And as you, as you mentioned, Aphrodite Hills where the European tourists this week too in Cyprus.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll come on to uh, that a little bit later on. But we've already kind of touched on the main uh, talking point that we're going to concentrate on this week. And that is golf and uh, the lockdowns that we're all uh, having to suffer at the moment. Um, Elliot, we've had uh, all kinds of things these last uh, week or so, haven't we? Republic of Ireland, all their courses shut now for six weeks. Wales, I think for two weeks. Um, What's your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, it's gone from zero to 100, it seems, in a couple of weeks where golfers were having just amazing summers, playing almost kind of back to normal. And uh, yeah, Wales closed for two weeks. Uh, Initially, there was a lot of disappointment and anger there. And then with Ireland, it was even worse, six weeks for no golf. And yeah, we've seen so many angry comments. Uh, We've had some professional golfers as well. I think Gareth Mabin said something and, and possibly some others about how, you know, like golf is played by people of all ages and it's great to exercise, socialise at a social distance and it's being taken away from so many people for such a long time in Ireland. It's obviously such a huge sport out there and I get closing clubhouses, I get not allowing four balls and stuff, but I think, you know, we're getting used to living with this virus now and there was data that sports aren't really where it's spreading. I think there was only nine cases. So, yeah, I think it's incredibly harsh, and I think that's what all the golfers in Ireland are thinking at the moment.
0: Yeah, I th- it's very tough, isn't it? And I think that I think the one thing we must always say, though, is there's there's reasons why they're doing this lockdown. Obviously, it is to try and keep as many people safe as possible. And um, I know it is very very frustrating, but I think that's something that we always need to 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 just touch on. And even the places which aren't in lockdown, obviously the, the courses in England are still still open, for example. You know, we still need to make sure that everybody is behaving in the right way and um, taking the precautions that, that they need to. Um, Nick, do you think they've, got, they've gone too far, though, in, in some of these places? Do you think that... Um... In Ireland, yes. I think it's hard
1: to really see a justification for it for six weeks. I mean, if you were drawing a sport or activity from scratch to be COVID safe during these times, you'd you'd draw up golf, wouldn't you? Mm. Go to the course in separate cars, play in a two ball, don't touch your opponent's ball, don't touch the flagstick. You're playing on this massive golf course that has loads of space, so you don't need to get close to each other. I think it's incredibly harsh in Ireland. I also think it's somewhat harsh in Wales. Having said that, I think it's probably an optics thing. So if they're trying to promote and instill this 17-day firebreak lockdown, and some people are seeing people going onto a golf course. It probably makes them more inclined to think, well, if they get to do their hobby, then why should I, you know, why should I have to stop mine? So I kind of understand it more in Wales. But in Ireland, I think it's really difficult to, to justify, to be honest with you. I mean, it's an inherently COVID safe sport. Uh, it's very good for mental and physical well-being, especially in some of the older communities who have been trapped inside. And you can get to the golf course very safely. I mean, no one's advocating that clubhouses stay open, but I think to shut all golf courses is incredibly harsh. and I would be pushing back quite hard if I had a vested interest and I was in Ireland right now because I don't really see how it's fair.
0: No, it's, I mean, Wales is, I think you're right touching touch on Wales. And Wales, we've obviously seen some incredible things happening, such as the uh, supermarkets, which are only allowed to, to sell certain products. So, you know, there is a, a properly harsh lockdown going on. So I do, I, I do understand, I think you're right, why they're saying oh, golf courses are also shut because I think they just want people, everyone just to stay at home, don't they? They mm. don't want anyone to leave at all, really. Um, Ireland, Ireland are you know being overly cautious. Maybe that's a great thing. You know, maybe this is a good thing going forwards. But there's obviously big frustration around this, especially at this time of year where you know this is the we're already seeing the weather has changed. Um, but golf courses are still probably holding up. Whereas actually, in about six weeks' time, when maybe they're allowed to play golf, some of the golf courses will actually be shut. Um, you just don't know what the weather's going to be like so I think it's it is really tough and I can understand there's a lot of frustration out there but I think that frustration really bears out because um, people are just fed up with the whole situation aren't they it's not just the golf lockdown it's just the whole situation that we're having to live through at the moment
1: Um, yeah and I think a lot of people think you know what 2020 has been such a shocker anyway that what's another couple of months doing this I think the real issues are going to arise if this spills over into next year and the governments of these different nations are saying look you have to lock down again in 2021 i think a lot of people will just be at the end of their tether by that point and simply say you know what i've done my part i basically didn't do anything for a year at what point does it become kind of inhumane what you're asking us to do so i think with these things maybe they've got another couple of months of compliance from the general population but beyond that i think they're going to really struggle to enforce things
0: yeah yeah that's it so my my question to you both is next year after these lockdowns, let's say that everything suddenly turns turns positive and um and um you know we can get on, start getting on with our lives what's your what would be your ambition or what would you love to do next year that you know tick off something you know you've you've been stuck at home for a year you haven't been able to do anything what's your golf ambition for twenty twenty one
2: Oh well, my ambition is definitely to play the old course at St Andrews. Tom, I, I was going to play it with you, wasn't I? In uh, in April, and, and a couple of other colleagues, and as well as Dunbarney Golf Links, the brand new course in Fife. That yeah, I was just unbelievably excited about. I think it was April time we were going to play, yeah, and that got cancelled, and <laughs> that was just like a dagger to the heart. So <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully you get up to St Andrews for for what is just a bucket list thing, really. Yeah. For any and I
0: think, you know, there's so many people who actually would have had that on their list. In 2020 and so many people who would have had the chance to do it they uh they opened up their, their scheme as well didn't didn't they last year where lots of people yeah. it online so there would have been loads and loads of different people who, who who went through that process got their first ever tea time on the old course and then have had that taken away from them so I think that's going to actually there's going to be an awful lot of people who when they get the chance to to, to go and play up in Scotland are, are going to try and do that as well aren't they? Um, and you're right, it is a complete bucket list thing. Um, Nick, is there anything that you particularly want to try and um, and,
1: and tick off? I'd love to play the old course too. I mean, I wasn't invited on this trip. <laughs> the digital folks were having, despite contributing to all our digital channels. No, I wasn't invited. <laughs> so that's, that's something I need to take up with Mike. I'd love to play the old course. I'd also love to do another golf trip abroad. Having been to Portugal, it's so fun and special just playing golf in a different climate and in different conditions in a different country. And for a while now, I've been really wanting to go to the States and play some golf over there. So perhaps a golf trip to the States. Maybe somewhere like the Carolinas. You know, we could play Harbour Town, places like that. There's some glorious golf courses on that coastline down there. Whistling Straits. Sorry, not Whistling Straits. That's obviously a long way away. What's the yeah. goal for? Kiwa Island as well. Yeah, Island,
0: yeah. yeah. Kira Island, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's an amazing place. I mean, I, I'd also, that's also kind of where my one was going as well. well you won't believe this because I don't look it, but I, I'm, I'm 40 next year. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you realise that. That's so,
2: a huge surprise. I thought you were in your late 20s,
0: to be honest. <laughs> well, th- thank you, cheeky git. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, something very simple, I'd, I'd love to go... Uh, well, I wanted to go to Vegas again for my fortieth because I'm a bit of a Vegas holic. Um, but having seen uh, where did they play last week, Shadow Creek? So uh, it was, um, yeah. I mean, there's some there's some great golf courses out there as well, which I'd love to, you know, go and play whilst not playing poker or whatever I'm else I'm doing out there. So uh, that that would that would be great, and that would be that would definitely be on on the bucket list uh, to do, although I've done it before, but. Um, I'd love to go back out there and just do something. You know, just find a different climate, go and go and have, go and have some fun somewhere. So, um, I'm sure there's lots of other people out there who who want to do some things. And um, I think we'll, do, we'll we'll maybe do a social post on this, Elliot, something like that. What is what is the thing that you want to do once um, lockdown finishes and and hopefully life gets back to normality? What's What's the first thing you want to tick off off your gold theme bucket list? to try and do for 2021 so let us know uh, on our social media at golf monthly on instagram and twitter and golf monthly magazine on facebook or of course you can email us as well golf monthly at futurenet.com and um, we'll make sure that we add them all to the post for everyone who gets in touch there's also something of the else big happening in grassroots golf coming up in the next week or so and that's the world handicap system which comes in Uh, to the UK on the 2nd of November. Uh, We've done a huge amount of website articles about this so you can find out everything that you need to about this. But last week was a particularly big week for this because um, in in England, anyway, England Golf turned on their website where people could start logging on and finding out if their handicap had changed. And um, it more or less crashed the website, didn't it, Elliot?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it it has today again as well, but um, it's back up and running now, England Golf have said. And... Yeah, it's not finalised just yet. It does say that on the website. It may change. And certainly for my club, there's been a little bit of an error. It's been done off the wrong tees. But there were some, some very funny handicap changes. Like my dad, for example, had just got down to 14, which is his best handicap in a few years. And they put him straight back up to 19. So mm-hmm. uh, he'll, he'll be hoping that uh, when it's recalculated, it's a little bit back to normal. I went from... to 4.9 and hopefully i can get down to four because that'd be quite nice but yeah it is what a week away now so i'm really excited to to get stuck in Uh, i would say as well it's coming into play in ireland as well but obviously sadly for them um they can't get on play at the moment which is obviously a shame which we've already said
0: yeah and and um it's I think you're right. Actually, originally, when there's a few mistakes, people are going, "Oh dear, there's a few issues with this." But actually, the whole I think that was the whole point of going live with it before that second November date, so that any um, any wrinkles could be ironed out and any problems could be could be actually sorted before kind of like the go live day. There is a few things which people are going to have to start getting their head round, aren't they? What do you think is the biggest thing? Slope rating of courses.
2: Well, I think it's actually very simple because every single first tee that you will play will have a very easy graph for you to convert your handicap index into a course handicap. So just because I'm a 4.9 index doesn't mean that I'm going to get five shots in every single round I play. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it too much because it'll all be quite simple when you get to the first tee.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think that's I think that's really a, a something that we've got to, be, to try and clear up as well. Because some people are thinking, oh God, is this is a completely new system that I've got to look at. I mean... It's not, is it? The, the game of golf isn't changing. Uh, you know, you've know, still got to try and get the golf ball in the hole in the few shots possible. So,
1: It makes a lot of sense to have it homogenised as well, doesn't it? So you can go and play your... You go on your golf break, as we've discussed, and, and it's still quite easy to digest because it's how you've been
0: applying things in England as well. So I think that makes a lot of sense as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think this will suddenly become second nature to a lot of people. Um, and it's all about... I, I think it is good because golf courses... Some are easier than others, so I think it's also it's also right that some of these courses are getting ranked properly, and and also then people are getting the right amount of shots that they should be. Um, I think it, there's there's things. If your home club, for example, has two golf courses, I think it's quite interesting to see people you, you you'll actually have different handicap for each course and things like that. And um, these are all things which I think in the long run are going to be really good for golf clubs, aren't they? And Hopefully people will also then kind of understand their handicap and the whole handicap system a bit a bit clearer as well, don't you think? Yeah, yeah absolutely. definitely.
2: Uh, I also really like that you can hand in general play scorecards as well. You don't have to, but um, as long as you declare it before you go out, you can hand it in and it will affect your handicap. So that's good as well.
0: Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. So who are the, I think I've seen a couple of things, but what are the hardest golf courses which have been ranked? I think Wentworth West, is that right? That has come up with the hardest handicap. I think it's 154. Is that right?
2: Yeah, we don't know that yet. Um, But yeah, Wentworth's definitely 154 and the max is 155. So slope rating is the difference in difficulty between a scratch and a 20 handicapper. So I guess that does basically just mean how difficult the course is. Uh, I think Trump, Scotland, and Aberdeen is like one four five as well. So yeah, I'd be surprised if courses are one five five, but <laughs> Wentworth West is very very close.
0: So uh, it's going to be quite an interesting thing. People are going to start trying to tick those off their lists, aren't they? Playing all the hardest golf courses in the country and uh, probably also the easiest ones as well. Nick, you're probably someone who tries to play the easiest ones and tries to uh, get as many birdies as possible.
1: <laughs> you're still on this what what handicap would you be happy with me playing off The <laughs> not new system? i'm system. i don't think i'm going to get involved you basically single-handedly forced me to play off 12 when there's no way i'm a 12 handicap golfer most would agree i'm somewhere around the 15 mark but no to placate to you i have to play off 12
0: well nick that's your own fault for when you uh shoot how many birds did you have in that round at royal Itham? I had one crazy round where I had five birdies. Exactly. So you had five birdies round an open rotor course. I also um, had seven blobs and got thirty-one points. Yeah. Okay. But you had five birdies around that <laughs> and, and took an awful lot of money that weekend. So you know what? You can get over it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there you go. I think you got you got more birdies in that round than I'd had the rest of the year. I think at that point, so um, uh, fun and games, fun and games. But yeah, that's uh, you know it's a lot of uh, conversation obviously going on about this, and there's a bit of confusion. But hopefully, there's a few articles on the on the Golf Monthly website, or oh, just Google it, and, and I think we'll be in the um, pretty near the top of the search rankings. Yeah, click out, check out the uh, articles that we we've done because it's all there to help you out. Also, I will also point people in the direction of the Golf Monthly Forum as well, which is on the website, which is full of like-minded golfers, all who are very passionate about the game and all going through this whole process themselves. There's actually a lot of really good information being shared on there as well. So do check out the Golf Monthly Forum if you haven't uh, checked it out before. Uh, we're going to move away now from the grassroots game and look at the pro game and a quick look back. Over the events of the weekend just past, Uh, starting with the Zozo Championship, uh, where Patrick Cantlay shot the closing 65 to beat John Rahm and Justin Thomas by one to win his third PGA Tour title. Cantlay equaled his career best of nine birdies in a single round on day four at Sherwood Country Club. American is now up to ninth in the world. Uh, Rory McIlroy made 29 birdies, 29 birdies. That, that puts your figure into comparison, Nick, uh, for the week, which was the most in his PJ Tour career. Despite that, he finished tied 17th. Tiger Woods, who we had been uh, bigging up last week, saying how well he was going to do, finished 72nd in the 78-man field. Um so, you know, some work to do if he's going to successfully defend his title at Augusta in a couple of weeks' time. So let's start with Cantley. I thought he was very impressive. It actually surprises me when they said in the broadcast
1: that this was only going to be his third win because you associate him with having far more because he's been a probably mainstay in the world's top 10 for the best part of a year now. I know he's fell outside it, but now he's back in where he rightfully belongs and he's a, a heck of a ball striker. And someone who I always pick when I'm on the podcast. So it's quite funny that he, he won the week after I wasn't on. But I, I do see him as a major contender for Augusta with his ball shape, with with the distance he hits off the tee, how straight he is off the tee, and kind of just the strength of his all-round game, really. I think he's really one to watch. And it would have been even if he hadn't won at Sherwood.
2: Yeah, he's absolutely class. He uh, spent 55 weeks as the world's number one amateur player. Uh, had a, a terrible start to life as a pro with some personal issues. Had a, a the tragic death of his best friend and caddy had some awful injuries as well. And I think these last few years, we've just really see him start to take his stride as a professional. Uh, yeah. He's only going to go from strength to strength. I think there's no weaknesses in this game. He's great on the world stage. Um, yeah. He's just a, a brilliant player.
0: Yeah. And he's another one of those players who, especially for people who don't follow golf, that closely won't know too much about him um, and he, he always seems to get very long odds because I don't think he gets that much backing really especially uh, when some of the really really big names are there but if you look at his the last three years it, oh, sorry the last four years let's look at the last four years his world rankings 697 at the end of 2014 then he obviously had a little bit of a break and stuff like that and then 2017 he was 38th in the world 2018, 18. 2019, 7th. So he keeps on going further and further down the world rankings. Um, And he's just, you know, he's back up to 9th now. Uh, How good can he get? And Is he someone that we should be seriously now touting as a potential major winner?
1: Without question. I think he's been in that category for the past year or so, if not longer. I mean, look at what he did at Augusta last time out. He came second and and pushed the leaders all the way. you look at the tournaments he's won as well, he, he tends to win big events and perform really well in big events. He's a guy who plays well on tough golf courses and his demeanour is quite helpful for major championship golf as well. He doesn't get too excited or too carried away or too flustered on the course. So I think all those things add up to him being a serious contender for, for a lot of the majors, but specifically the Masters, because his length off the tee combined with his with his draw shape, I think is
2: really beneficial on that layout. He was low amateur as well at the the Masters in 2012, I think. Obviously, he took the lead there last year with an eagle on the 15th, and then uh, maybe he saw the leaderboard and got a bit flustered. But, yeah, he's, he's surely going to win majors in the future.
0: Yeah, so Cantley didn't finish second last year. He finished ninth in the end last year. Um, but he shot 64 round Augusta in round three which was obviously an incredible round to get himself in contention. And as you, I think you're right, you say, Elliot, I think, well, there's a few people uh, getting a bit twitchy, weren't they, <laughs> uh, at last year? I mean, let's talk about Francesco Molinari. Um, it, you know, he uh, he was right, he had it right there in the palm of his hand and then let and then it, then it fall away. And that's probably was the tiger effect, wasn't it? So He finished ninth in the end. Yeah, he did. He, he, yeah, he, he
1: had an explosion on the last couple of holes then. Yeah. He's, they were the, yeah. remembering him tying the lead.
0: I think he, he he didn't finish that well. Uh, I think we I think he finished maybe bogey or something like that. So uh, it was the uh, it, was a, it was it was a lot of pressure last year. But he's definitely now one of those players who um, I think we should definitely be chatting about. And he's it's always known as a drawers, you know, a drawers usually play that quite well at Augusta, don't they? So he's certainly uh, coming into form at the right time with with uh, Masters only a couple of weeks away now, uh, which I can't wait for, of course. Um, let's also talk about Rory, someone else who obviously has, um, Augusta ambitions, uh, 29 birdies. That's an awful lot of birdies in a week. Um, and do we think, you know, kind of what we've mentioned last week, he's just got too many bad holes in him at the moment. If he just had a, could secure a few more pars, he's going to be shooting up the leaderboards, isn't he, Elliot?
2: Yeah, that's what he was saying. He was, uh, he was saying he had a lot of mental errors, Lots of shots where he was a little bit too aggressive and got punished for them. And I think that possibly comes down to his caddy. I know this conversation has been talked about over and over again. But if he had a veteran caddy that just said to him, Rory, just stick it in the middle of the green, mate, make a par. Or you might even hold the putt for birdie. That's a great way to make more pars and, and take away the, the bogeys and doubles. So, yeah, I know Rory loves to do things on his own. So... Yeah, hopefully he can just sort it out himself, but he shouldn't be um, taking on silly shots and, and being too aggressive in big tournaments like the Masters where it, it's basically you just got to par all the holes and birdie all the par fives.
0: Yeah, and Nick, do you think he just needs to um, to maybe just get a bit of better course management going on, out there? I mean, it's all very yeah. well going out, you know, he, he should just hit the green, but, he, you know, if he's obviously playing pretty well to have 29 birdies. And obviously that aggression helps him get those 29 birdies. But it, I find it very frustrating. Um, he seems to have a double almost every round at the moment, doesn't he?
1: He does. But I think Zozo Championship and the Masters are apples and oranges, really, I think that his strategy will be more on point at Augusta. The most encouraging thing is you don't make 29 birdies in a round without putting. Well, and statistically, his putting's better this season than last season. Um it is somewhat concerning that short game's not particularly strong at the moment. Obviously, it needs to be sharper Augusta because you are going to miss greens there and and miss on the wrong side at times. So you will need to improve on the short game. But I think for now, there are more positives than negatives for sure. And I think it plays quite nicely into his hands in November too. So don't want to jinx it, but perhaps the pressure will be off as well because he's not going for that career Grand Slam in, in April with the massive build-up leading into it. So... Uh, maybe
0: i'm starting to think that maybe he might do it you know well let's i mean i I hope he just has a good week to myself augusta um when i was there a couple of years ago when patrick reed won he obviously was in that final group and had had a really good chance then um and he does feel the pressure there you know if anyone remembers his first tee shot where he hit it very very right there is a lot of pressure on his shoulders whether he says it or not um but well, we'll have to wait and see. And then the last person we obviously want to chat about is Tiger Woods, who uh, we gave a big build-up last week. Elliot. I'm going to blame this on you, Elliot. You, uh, you, yeah. you
1: were, if you been on the podcast last week, I would have countered any of your arguments
0: because I don't see how you could have proposed Woods having a good week. Uh, yeah, I can't remember either. Uh, but uh, we, we thought he... Because he he, play, he played there so many times and, and had a lot of success there. We were thinking he was going to do well. He, did, he I don't think he played badly, did he, um, this week? But he just, his game wasn't on, on, he just wasn't right, was he? He still still just hasn't had enough tournament practice, I think, is the biggest issue. So I'm glad he's got four rounds under his belt. I think that's really, really good. But he needs, do do we know if he's going to play again before Guster? Uh,
2: He may play Houston next week. I would be surprised if he does. But uh, yeah, he hasn't said that he's not going to play yet. But I'm not sure he played well. The greatest player of all time, shooting one under par for four rounds on one of the easiest golf courses of the year is, uh, I think, quite a worrying sign. Uh, but I do like the positive that he did complete four rounds, which he hasn't really been doing very often. So, yeah, he, he, he desperately needs to find something in the next sort of 10, 12 days. Otherwise, he will not be anywhere near the top of the leaderboard at Augusta.
1: It's mad, isn't it, that we're talking about a professional golfer completing four rounds as a positive thing? <laughs> I just I can't, apart from the fact that he could, do well at Augusta blindfolded. I can't see how you can present an argument that he's going to do well. Statistically, last season, he's losing shots off the tee around the greens in strokes game total and in strokes game putting. I don't see how you can present an argument that he's going to have any sort of success next week, really. When you consider how many good players there are these days and how many of the good players are consistently challenging week in, week out.
0: Yeah. I think there's no doubt he's obviously got a lot of work to do. I mean, he's, if you look in the last, I'm just looking at his his tournaments for the for the year. In the last eight, I think it's the last eight weeks, actually it's the last nine weeks, he's only played twice. One of them was at the US Open where he missed a cut and the other was last week. So it's, you know, he, he just doesn't seem to be playing enough golf at the moment. Uh, I think he's trapped because he probably
1: knows that he needs to play more golf to find a groove, but his body won't let him play more golf. Hmm. So I do not how he's gonna improve, really? Given that, given that cycle that he seems to find himself in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I'm never gonna write Tiger off at Augusta, by the way. Um, I can see him playing well down there, no doubt. I could see it happening. Is he's, he's not gonna. He's not gonna be able to. Uh, you know, he's got to have a different tactic to say Bryson. Whether we want to talk about Bryson hitting the ball for hundred yards, apparently, uh, the other day. Um, you know, he's he's not gonna play like those guys. He's gonna have to just play it his way. But he, playing it his way has worked uh, uh, several times and he's got a fantastic record around there. So um, I think, I, I hope he plays another tournament <laughs> at Houston. I don't know, I don't think he will, but uh, I hope he does. Um, because he has, you know, he's, he's seen it. It was only a year, you know, a year ago that he won the Zozo Championship, you know, and that was a fantastic victory and an unexpected victory. And the I week he won that, having taken a lot of time off before. Yeah, he took he'd taken so he's two that he had
1: to turn up with no no rounds under his belt and perform well. Exactly. Like the major's a different kettle of fish and it's not just the fact it's a major, it's the fact that so many of the world's best players are in good form too. I just
0: I can't see it happening. Again, yeah. like you I'm never going to write him off Augusta. I just can't see it happening. Yeah. I mean I mean last year going into Augusta he'd had a, a, a decent match play um where he finished fifth. And then that was a couple of weeks before the for Augusta. So he obviously found something then. Well, last year, I think we need to look at that, saying that it was ten week gap between him playing at the BMW Championship last year and finishing thirty seventh, and then going to play the Sochi Championship and winning. And then the next event, he was fourth at the Hero World Challenge, which obviously is what it is. But then the next event after that, the Farmers Insurance, which was which was something like six weeks later, he finished ninth. So he, you know this this is not that long ago. So I, I think you know I think all he needs is to find something to click, and um, I think he'll, he he's definitely got a chance. Um, at I El- don't think could, I don't think that the time of year helps
1: him either, because he struggles more with his back in colder conditions, and he's not hitting the ball anywhere near as far as he used to. So he's going to be coming into some of those par fours at Augusta with four and five iron, when some of the other players are going in with eight or nine
0: iron. So that's going to be a factor too, potentially. I think um, on the on the weather, Nick, I think um, that is going to have, have an effect. I, I, you know, I think the weather over there is OK at the moment, but you've got to get lucky. Um, and if the full gas is nice and it's nice and sunny and he can, he can play, I think that will obviously affect him. If it's cold and wet and the wind's blowing from the... The, the wrong direction I think he he will definitely struggle but I think a lot of people will struggle to be honest with you there so um, it's all very very exciting and not you know not long to go before we can uh, stop talking about it and start watching which I think we all want to want to do so over the next couple of weeks we're obviously going to be building up to uh, the Masters which starts uh, in mid-November so um, do keep uh, an eye out for all the stuff happening on the website and of course the podcast as well
1: Having said that, what I would say, sorry to, to, I know you're just wanting to segue into another area, but I'm just looking at the forecast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The long-term forecast. It seems to be low 20s and sun.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, which is... We'd, we'd like,
0: quite come here, you know, wouldn't
1: we? <laughs> you'd certainly take that, but that that's going to be preferable because certain days around the Masters are you kind of low teens and and very cold and heavy air. But yeah, if it's 20 degrees and sunny, then fantastic. That That
0: brings a lot of people right back into it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to move quickly on to the Italian Open, uh, just to touch on what is a really good story, um, and that's around Ross McGowan, who birded the 16th and 18th holes last Sunday to win his first European Tour title in 11 years. The from Pipped playing partner Lloyd Cantor and Nicholas Colsarts by one. It's his second European Tour title and eighth victory as a professional after three wins on the Challenge Tour, one on the Sunshine Tour and two on the Mina Tour. He's up from 560th in the world to 242nd. Now, I remember Ross McGowan being quite the baller when I had just first started um, working at Golf Monthly. And in 2009, he finished second to Lee Westwood uh, at the end of, I think it's the first DP World Tour Challenge or Championship in Dubai. And then he had a very, very good year and he was a very, very solid golfer. And since then, he's rather fallen away. So uh, it was really good to see one of these these guys having an opportunity to get back into the winner's circle on the European Tour. Uh, did you watch much of it, Elliot?
2: Yeah, I saw the final day. It was uh, a really good fight between him and, and Laurie Cantor. It obviously meant the world to both of them to win such a big event. Uh, you would have to say Laurie Cantor is probably just about an up-and-coming player and McGowan is your typical journeyman and, and um, yeah, to finish the way he did that bunker shot in 16 that he hold for birdie was out of this world. Good. And then uh, just, yeah, a brilliant birdie on the last one he needed to So yeah, I feel a little bit bad for Laurie Cantor, but I quite fancy him this week. Um, yeah. Just a, a brilliant story that you, you get occasionally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's it. You know, Laurie Cantor has got, got his whole career in head ahead of him. Um, and he, he will learn from, from that, that experience. Uh, on Sunday which is brilliant you know it wasn't the strongest field we we know that uh, and obviously it wasn't the biggest prize Paul ever uh, but it's a big tournament the Italian Open and it has got loads of great history so uh, it was I thought it was really 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 good to see Ross McGowan win again um, and and very well deserved. And now he can focus on he doesn't have the he's
1: not playing under the pressure of trying to keep his card which I think psychologically is so huge he can actually afford to take a couple of months and work on some areas of his game that he's not been content with over the last few years because he hasn't been able to take time off because he's so concerned about money, etc. So now that he has pressure under his shoulders in that regard and and has his card for the next couple of years, then you might start seeing more out of him by virtue of the fact he can dedicate more time to kind of improving certain areas and also just the fact that he'll be playing without stress, which is so beneficial. We've seen so many times how if you remove stress and it brings out the best in people. It's just basic psychology. So look for, for, for Ross McGowan to probably have quite a good 2021
0: as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to look ahead now to uh, two more tournaments uh, which are happening this week. Not the biggest ones, but we are really uh, amping up things towards Augusta, which is starts, I think, two weeks Thursday, doesn't it? Which is a, which is a scary prospect. So there's two, uh, two events, one in Bermuda and one in Cyprus. So, uh, two places which should have lovely sunny weather. We'll start with the Bermuda Championship. Port Royal hosts the event this week featuring the likes of defending champion Brendan Todd, Henrik Stenson and Danny Willett. The event has been elevated to offer full FedEx Cup points this year and the purse has risen from $3 million to $4 million. Elliot, have you had a chance to have a look at this? Who do you think is going to do well?
2: Uh, I'm not sure on my tips, no. But, yeah, I remember this course very well, actually, from the old grand slam of golf was it where all the four major champions used to play and and Padre Carrington would get drafted in at the last minute Mm -hmm. um yeah so I think they spent about 15 million dollars revamping it increased the prize money as well so really good I remember Kevin Murray the uh photographer who he's a good friend of ours said that it was one of his favorite courses on the podcast oh that's it Tom Lewis is who I fancy I think because yeah he was Second at the FedEx WGC a couple of months ago, and then he was also third in Dubai earlier this year, and he's just a great player.
0: I'll be honest with you; that's you haven't really given it the big sell there earlier, have you? You couldn't even remember who your tip was. That's how uh, that's how uh, confident you are in this pick. Is that what you're saying? I, I
2: haven't got into the depths that perhaps you might have done uh, <laughs> as the official GM tipster. <laughs> okay good 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 side there sorry I would <laughs> say um steer clear of Henrik Stenson I was watching him the other day and his putting was so bad and yeah his, his long game is just as good as ever but it, yeah
0: it's a shame how how
2: ice cold his putter was
0: <laughs> indeed um Nick have you had a chance to look or are mm-hmm. you uh, are you going to uh plead the fifth like uh earlier <laughs> No, I have had a a look
1: at the field and the course, and it's a ball striker's course, isn't it? Because it can get quite windy at times. Yeah. And I'm looking at someone like a Harold Varner the third, who was 13th in Vegas. All areas of his game statistically were quite sharp, and he's been one of the tour's best ball strikers for a while, which will be beneficial at Port Royal in the wind. And it's time for him to win. He's won the Australian Open on the European Tour, but he's never won a PGA Tour. Despite event, despite putting himself in contention on more than a couple of occasions, so like to see how Varna III third get over the line this week.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, that's not a bad shot at all. I mean, as you mentioned, it, it does sometimes can get a bit windy on the course. It's right on the coast, so there's a couple of people I think we should probably just touch on. I usually go, oh well, it's an American, it's an American event, you know, um, PJ Tour, always back the Americans. Well, actually, I'm going to not. Even mention an American, but R- Rafa Cabrera Bello, who's been playing pretty decent golf for the last few weeks, he's sixty to one, and um, he's also a very good player in the wind. as As, as is Brandon Grace, who mm. is is eighty to one. So you know some pretty decent odds about the place. But I think it's quite wide open this week. We'd say no. Uh, w- Will Zal- Zalatoris, who I can't even say his name, is is actually favourite along with Brendan Todd. So I. With those two guys as favourites, you know you've got quite a lot of uh, opportunity around. And someone's going to have an each-way finish and have been three figures starting off with. So some really good chances for some each-way money to be won as well. So um, do check out the golf betting tips by Googling golf betting tips and clicking on our posts. Or, of course, you can just go direct to the Golf Monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk. Uh, the other event uh, is something that we've already touched on, that's on the European tour, as it heads over to Cyprus and to Aphrodite Hills for the Cyprus Open. Andy Sullivan, Yous Louton, Schwab, Thomas Detry, and Sam Horsfield are among the bookies' favourites. Uh Nick, we'll start with you this time.
1: Anyone that you like to look of? I just think it's got Andy Sullivan written all over it. It's gonna be a very relaxed week. He's a very kind of amiable, relaxed character. He's going to just be really enjoying. He's going to be seeing it as a holiday, essentially, under the Cyprus sun. And he's been playing some really good stuff this year. I mean, he's, a couple of the rounds that he's played over the summer were pretty much extraordinary. So someone like him, a laid back character who just goes there with the aim of enjoying himself, I think will do well. And Sullivan is, is, is a man I've got on my my on this week for sure.
0: Yeah, he's been playing fantastically. He's definitely the form horse in that field. I think he's he's getting back to some of his pre Rider Cup form when he when he made the Rider Cup team. I think he's playing very very well. Ellie, anyone that you has stood out for you? Uh, yeah, I would go for Laurie Cantor. I think at thirty three to one, it was
2: a really unfortunate final round for him last week, and he's turning up this week to win. Whereas normally he would just turn up to to make a cut or try and get a nice paycheck, but. I think he really got a taste of what it'd be like to win last week. And, yeah, he's playing fantastic golf.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a good shout. And we have seen quite recently, actually, people who have finished, been finishing second or third have then gone on to win the next week. It's happened a couple of weeks recently. So, yeah, that's a good shout. Um, I think we should also mention Sam Horsfield, um, who has had a funny old year, to say the least. You know, he's he managed to win twice. he also caught COVID as well, didn't he? And had to miss US Open, is that right? Yeah,
2: yeah, that was a big shame.
0: Yeah, so he's he's had a he's had a tough old time, but he's a very decent golfer, and I think in this field he could, uh, he, you know, with with the experience he's had of, of getting wins uh, this year, I think he's he's a very dangerous player. You can get him about thirty to one, which I think is very very decent odds. But if you look right down the field, right down the field, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, What about someone uh, like Ewan Ferguson? How much do you know about Ewan Ferguson, Elliot? Uh, I know that he
2: was on our tailor-made day last year, which I wasn't there for. But, yeah, a a young Scott graduated from the Challenge Tour. I remember he did really well with Belgian knockout last
0: year. It's a bit niche. But, yeah, he could have a good week in him. You never know. No, no, and there is, you, you, you've actually said more than I was expecting to. I was trying to put you on the spot there. Uh, but he's, had a, he's, um, he's a decent ball striker, a really nice guy. As a, as you mentioned, he was on one of the Taylor May days that we did last year. So he's finished 14th at the Irish Open, 30th at the Scottish Open, and then 16th at the Scottish Championship, the last three events. So, you know, he's in a little bit of form, and he is as long as... Well, on the Betfair exchange, you can get in for over 200 to 1. So, you know what? Um, If you're looking for an outsider, I think he's as good as anybody, to be honest with you. I think the one thing to say is that the Bermuda Championship is actually uh, the time difference isn't as far as usual, so actually they won't be on as late on Sunday evening. So if you do want to watch whoever's going to win the PJ Tour event over this weekend and the end of the week, then uh, you're probably going to have to tune in a little bit earlier than usually. But it does mean you can get to bed earlier, so that's always good. Guys, thanks ever so much for your time this week. Next week we'll have, again, a bit more of a preview as we uh, get closer and closer to Augusta. Uh, We'll see who won uh, in Bermuda and Cyprus, and we'll also find out if Elliot managed to work out how to play golf again and all the issues that he's obviously going to have had over the weekend so that's something to <laughs> look forward to Nick, Elliot thank you very much for your time thanks yeah thanks a lot no props, no pops at all and thanks very much for listening we will speak to you again next week